<laughs> Do you need one too or just for the kids? <laughs> I brought you one. It's right there. Um, we used to do, uh, years ago, when I, I was a youth pastor at the Presbyterian Church that I started at, um, they used to do um, word searches for children in the bulletin every week. And uh, the, the gal who did it, her name was Sandy, and she was about the sweetest lady, and she was very, you know, very straight-laced and very, you know, um, cheerful. And, and um, one Sunday I, I was doing the message and everybody's kind of giggling and talking and she would get these word searches off the internet, right? And uh, she, she didn't proofread them. And just anybody apparently could upload word searches to the website and there are a number of rather adult words mixed in with the word search that Sunday. And so we carefully review the word searches in advance <laughs> to make sure that they're... Um, they would always relate to the sermon, and someone said to me afterwards, I couldn't find any of those words in the sermon, um, <laughs> which I felt good about <laughs> that week. Um, <laughs> we're uh, we're going to continue talking about um, Christmas this week. Uh, we're working through our series, and, and my slides don't work now. Um, we're we're going to continue talking about Christmas. Our theme for this series, we've been talking about um, how to throw the perfect Christmas party. And, and I figure the, the perfect Christmas party was probably the first one when, when God invented the thing and, and every, everybody else has just, just been trying to match it, right? Um, so, so we're going to be looking at um, the various things that, that went on and we're going to be looking at um, what we can pick up out of this, right? What is God telling us at, out of this process? And this week we're going to be looking at family. How many of y'all have family visiting during Christmas? How many of y'all are happy about it? <laughs> um, I always uh, I always love it when my in-laws come during Christmas and they listen to the sermon on, on the internet, so I'm not going to say anything more than that. Um, um, and actually, as we look at the, at the birth narrative, right, um, what we're going to find is that the role of family is enormous. Um, and it starts with, some of y'all maybe have read Matthew, and there's one of those one of those exciting genealogies right at the front end of Matthew. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and so-and-so was the father of so-and-so and so-and-so. And, and, and that's there. And then it's actually in Luke again, in Luke chapter 3. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. So, you know, get, get ready for dozing off. I'll, I'll do my best with it, though. Um, <laughs> the genealogies are not exciting. Um, but actually, they, it's oftentimes because it takes a little work to understand them. Um, and we're going to talk about um, Mary. We're going to talk about Elizabeth a little bit today, right? And, and specifically, we're going to look quite a bit at the birth, at the birth announcement. Um, we just announced uh, Abigail, not Abigail, Jessica, my wife, is, is pregnant, right? And we announced that, how many weeks ago is it now? Three? And, and I had a lot of time to plan how we were going to announce it, so I worked it into the slides on a Sunday morning. And, and I almost got to the next slide before anybody caught it, I think. It was, it was one of those great moments. I, I knew a guy, uh, I, the, first, the first baby we announced on uh, Facebook, just posted the test and, and you know, got, got a lot of reaction out of that. And, and, and um, I, I talked to a guy who announced it on the, um, April Fool's Day, um, just to keep people guessing. Um, um, it, there are all sorts of ways that people go about announcing it, and God, of course, uses angels because he can. Um, you know, our first week we talked about stars and angels. If you're going to announce a party and you can book an angel or a star to line up for you, that's what you should do. Um, um, and, and, and actually the announcements, the early announcements start way, way, way back when. Um, and we're going to start in Chronicles this morning. If it's on the screen. If you've got a Bible, you can, you can hunt it down. This is First Chronicles 17. 
Um, God is talking to, the, to King David, right? King David is the second king of Israel. Um, and, and he was considered, like God referred to him, he's a man after my own heart, right? Only person in the scriptures that's referred to that way. And it's not because he's perfect, right? He's not, and that'll come up again here in a minute. Um, but it's because he's a man who loves God, right? And he's a man who's willing to repent when he screws up. Um, he's a man after God's own heart. And, and when he becomes king, um, right in the beginning, he decides, I'm going to build a temple, because there was never a temple in Israel. And God stops him in a dream and says, nope, you don't get to build a temple because you've killed too many people. And that's what he says, honestly. You know, it's, you, you've got too much blood on your hands, so you don't get to do it. And you don't get to decide that you're the one who gets to build me a house. And then he makes him a promise, and that's in First Chronicles 17. He says, when your days are over and you go up to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take away my love from him, as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. Um, this is what's called the Davidic covenant, right? It's, it's a, a big word. It's like a, the contract God made with David. Right, And there are a couple of these contracts that appear in the Bible. And this one's really important because God comes along and he says to King David, your, your son will be on the throne forever. Well, his son was Solomon, and Solomon lived for a while and was on the throne for a little while. And he actually builds the Temple of Solomon, which is one of the um, wonders of the ancient world. Right, but, but that's not who God is talking about. To a degree he is, but there's a bigger thing he's pointing towards. Um, this is a prediction of the coming of Jesus, right? And actually, if you follow Judah, the, the, like Israel, um, you'll find that David's descendants were all kings all the way up until um, the, the Babylonians come and run them over. And, and then all of a sudden there's no more Davidic kings. Like they're, they're gone. And, and then eventually, like we see where the kingship becomes a little more political and you could buy your way in. Um, and and um, no political joke. No political um, You can buy your way to the throne, and like once you were, once you were there, I lost my slides again. Um, once you were king, like you, you could. Um, um, sorry, I, that joke threw me off. I didn't. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Um, so, so there was no king descendant of David on the throne at that point. And there were a lot of Jewish folks who would say, "Well, what the heck happened, right?" And so, um, at the beginning of. Um, at the beginning of the story of Jesus, we find a lineage. And this lineage establishes sort of a family line, right? Like a family um, pedigree almost. Um, some of you all maybe have horses that have pedigrees or dogs that have pedigrees. This is Jesus' pedigree. And it lines him, in Matthew, it lines him all the way back to Abraham. And it detours to make sure that David's on the way, right? Why? Well, because God promises this. God says, you know what? I'm going to make sure that one of your descendants is king. And along comes Jesus, and he's the king of kings, right? And he's on the throne forever, meaning that he, he literally takes on the role of God's representative to the world for eternity. Um, and so we find that, that there's this early promise that's kept in the family. Everybody with me? Everybody awake? All right. Um, so we have this line of, of, that goes from Abraham in Matthew, and then actually in Luke it starts at Adam. Um, the reason that we have Abraham in Matthew is because God promises Abraham, through your descendant, in singular, through your descendant, the whole world will be blessed. So God promises Abraham early on, 
your descendant is going to be a big deal, right? And he's talking about Jesus. Um, with Adam, we find where God promises Adam um, that your descendant will crush the serpent's head, right? And he's talking about Jesus. And so in Luke and in Matthew, they establish this as a pedigree. Now, this is important for a bunch of reasons. First off, the Bible, like, like as much as we read it for enlightenment, right, and to grow us spiritually, there's a part where these guys are making a case. They're arguing for who Jesus is. And, and in arguing for who Jesus is, um, they start by saying, look, he's the fulfillment of a promise. Um, this is who his family was. They didn't just pull him out of the air. He isn't just, you know, some made-up guy. He's this historic figure. This is who his family was. Um, it's a big deal. Um, the other thing that goes along with this promise made to David. Now, if you look in the book of Psalms, there's a psalm that they would sing during coronations. So if I was going to make Daniel king, and we were to bring him up here on his throne, and we would we would put, you know, the crown of Israel on his head, and, and as we were doing that, there was a song that we would sing. And part of the song is this line, um, today you're my son, you're adopted by me, you know, and I will be your God and you will be my son kind of thing. And, and it's this line that was a part of it, and it's a reference back to this promise that God made. Right, which is all pointing forward to Jesus. Um, just to kind of connect that together, um, these these genealogies are important for a couple of other reasons. I'm going to touch on this. Um, there are foreigners in them. Foreigners, right? Like <laughs> these people that aren't Jewish. Um, this is a little unusual, not that unusual for ancient practice. But like Luke includes a bunch of them. Why does he do that? Well, for a very good reason. The gospel, the story of Jesus, is for everyone. Um, it's for people who were Jewish, people who were insiders, and people who weren't insiders, right? This is, was, this is for everyone. And actually, this plays through in the stories that we're going to look at here in a minute. We're going to watch two video clips. I brought video clips. Um, <laughs> and, and there's this theme that plays through in the family and outside of the family. Like, it's for everyone, right? The story of Christ is about Jesus dying for all of us. Um, and so there are foreigners there. And then if you read the Matthew one, there are two characters there. Bathsheba. Anybody know who Bathsheba is? Anybody want to share that story? <laughs> no, Mark, you can't. Um, <laughs> um, Bathsheba was, was Solomon's mother, right, and David's wife. But she was somebody else's wife before that David killed in order to marry her, right? So David knocks her up and uh, or impregnates her. That was probably more... Sorry. Da- David, David, <laughs> David spends some quality time with Bathsheba, and then she she's suddenly pregnant, and and um, David says, "Well, I got to cover this up," um, and he he of course um, does the sensible thing and has her husband killed, um, and and well, whatever people do crazy things, <laughs> and and actually it, it kind of wrecks him, right? Like if you read the 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 book of Samuel, like, like it kind of wrecks him from there on out. But um, Bathsheba, is she a role model? Uh, well, in today's pop culture, maybe, right? But like not, not by biblical standards, right? This isn't, this isn't somebody we look to and are like, she was pure and holy and great. Um, the other one that appears in, in that genealogy, I'm not reading it to you, I'm sorry. If you really want to, I can, um, is Rahab. Anybody know where Rahab turns up? Uh, Battle of Jericho, right? We flash all the way back to, to the Exodus. And Rahab was, was a professional woman of sorts, um, a very old professional woman 
who, who helps out some spies and then is incorporated into the nation. But she was, she was a prostitute, right? Like, like that's what she was. And she's in the genealogy. Well, that's sort of funny, ain't it? Um, those are in Matthew's genealogy. Well, what's Matthew doing here? Well, what Matthew's doing here is he's demonstrating, again, for everyone, right? Um, Jesus is a person who has a genealogy. He's got family that, that isn't always perfect. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it again in a minute here, but um, there's, in Catholic circles, this, there's this effort to make Mary into sort of perfect, you know? And, and there's some Catholics who believe that Mary was born of a virgin herself and that she was a virgin her whole life, which means Joseph was the greatest saint ever. Um, and and um, it, it's, it's just not accurate. She was a person, right? She was a person the same way any of us are. And what this genealogy is telling us is, this is for everyone. Christ isn't this set-aside thing. Christ is for all of us. Um, Christmas, we celebrate it. It's because God is opening. Can you hit my slides again at... Um, I talked too long, I think, without changing. Um, I have a couple of video clips we're going to watch. This first one is the announcement that is made to Zechariah. Zechariah is the husband of Elizabeth, right? And Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. Um, And they have a child named John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist was a huge, huge figure. He was like a rock star in the ancient world. Um, the Jews really respected this guy. And so um, Zechariah gets the early, the first announcement you are going to have a son. And we're going to watch that. When this takes place, he's going into the temple. He's a priest, right? And once a year, as a priest, he was allowed to go into the temple and make the offering. And so that's what he's doing. So part of this is in Hebrew. You shouldn't understand that part. You might, but you shouldn't. Um, And there's no subtitles for it. There's a lot of it that's in English. And we're going to watch it. And then we're going to watch the announcement to Mary, right? And we're going to talk about him after that. Everybody with me? Let's hope this works right. This honor is for you, Zachariah, and your village. Most high, 
Now, the temple is in, in Israel, right? Is it, or in Jerusalem, in the capital. And um, you wouldn't just go in there, right? Not everybody could just go in. And actually, before you were allowed to go in, you had to go through all sorts of ceremonial washing and everything else. I mean, it was a big deal to go into the temple at all, right? And so once a year, Jeremiah, or Zechariah, sorry, that's one of those guys, um, Zechariah gets to go into the temple and make an offering, and that's what you see him doing. And what, what we find in the book of Luke is an account of Zechariah going in there and making this offering, and he has a vision um, where an angel comes to him, which isn't exactly accurate in the movie, but Hollywood does what it does. Um, and, and the angel says to him, hey, you're going to have a son. And, and tells him, you know, and Zechariah responds, well, my wife is really old, right? You know, this can't be true. And there's this whole discussion. And in the end, the angel says, you know what? You're not going to be able to speak until the baby's born, right? I got a pregnant wife. It'd be wonderful if my wife couldn't. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. that was, she's not in here. Um, so he doesn't get to talk again until the baby's actually born. And, and um, this is the story of, like, the announcement of John the Baptist. Everybody with me? All right, we got another clip, and this is the announcement of Jesus, if it works. afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Come, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. How can this be, since I've been with no man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Son of God. Mary, even your cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. For nothing said by God can be impossible. Elizabeth. 
Let it be done to me according to your word. going on here is we had two birth announcements. This is in the Gospel of Luke, right? And part of what Luke is doing here is he's using a literary device. Some of y'all, maybe when you went through high school, you had to learn about literary devices and and parallelism and symbolism and everything else. Um, This is a literary device. And it's actually emphasized when you read the stories. This is all in Luke chapter 1. It's a lot of text. It's about 60 verses. But if you read them side by side, they use the same words in describing the events, like almost to the T, right? Um, To the point where it's intentional. It's obviously intentional. Um, Both uh, Zechariah and Mary were described as troubled. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. It happens in both accounts. Um, We'll bear you a son is occurred in both, right? Um, um, you will name him, he will be great. And then, like, there are all these, like, phrases that are used because Luke is trying to demonstrate these stories are connected. Everybody with me? Um, well, why is the next question. I mean, uh, observing a connection is awesome, but there's a reason for it. Um, here's, here's the way this works. There are parallels, and sometimes these parallels are opposites. Mary is old. Right In the video, she looks to be about 35. But in the text, it's, it's clear that she's old. I mean, like old, old. Um, and, and well past the point of having children. For a woman in Jewish culture to not have children was considered to be the most disgraceful thing that you could do. Right, like For, for a woman to not have children, it means that um, no one's going to take care of you when you get older. Right? Um, it meant that um, you didn't have anyone to carry on your family name. It meant that, um, like, honestly, people looked down on you because of it. And it got to the point that many Jewish rabbis taught that um, not having children was a sign that God didn't like you. You know, like God was punishing you by not letting you have children. Um, and, and it's a big deal. She's an old woman. She's disgraced. She's without child. Mary, on the other hand, is a young virgin, right? And she's betrothed. Um, is how Luke describes it, which means she's getting ready to get married. She probably had an arranged marriage, to be fair. You know, betrothed indicates, you know, and at the age of 13 or 14, they would have shifted her from young person to betrothed and going to get married soon, right? Um, For Mary, she's, you know, young, a pure, like, presentation, right? She's she's honored in a way because she's she's betrothed and getting ready to get married. Um, These are opposites, right? Now, why would he do that? Or Well, first off, it happened. But what's the point? Part of the point here is to compare the old system and the new system, right? In the old system, the old Jewish faith, folks grew close to God through works. When you sinned, you killed an animal, so the animal took punishment for you, right? Um, people were close to God not because you know, they, they had faith or not because they you know, were saved by grace, but because, because of the law. Um, And it didn't work. One of the recurring themes in the scriptures is the law, earning your way to heaven, doesn't work. Um, That it will never work. Mary, on the other hand, is this new way, right? And she's honored and she's pure. Um, And so we have this parallel. Everybody with me? 
it keeps going. Um, one is promised a son, and the other is also promised a son. John the Baptist comes along. John the Baptist's job is to make way, make way for the Lord, right? He shows up like a herald. You, know, you ever watch those videos where the king marches through town, and he's got guys with trumpets in front of him announcing? That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist goes out and preaches and says, Hey, the Messiah is coming. God's chosen person is coming. And he's pointing toward Jesus coming. Well, one of the things that we discovered when we read the scriptures is the old system, the Jewish faith, points forward to the Christian faith. They would sacrifice lambs for forgiveness. Um, Jesus was the lamb who was sacrificed for our forgiveness. Um, um, That's one example. There are literally thousands of examples where the old system points to the new system. And in Elizabeth, who represents the old system, her son points towards Jesus, the new system. Everybody with me? Um, other parallels here. Both have angelic encounters. Where does, um, where does Zechariah encounter the angel? The temple, right? In the holiest place in the whole stinking world, you know, an angel shows up. Mary, however, ain't. She's actually probably in Nazareth, right? Nazareth is a little smaller than Big Sandy. Think Loma. Right? It was actually so small that for a long time archaeology argued whether or not it existed. And then they found three houses and they're like, oh yeah, this is it. Um, it was tiny, tiny. Um, we talked the first week about the announcement, right? Where the glory of the Lord came to the shepherds. Um, and it was out in a field. Luke is pointing out, look, it used to be this way where you went to the temple to hear God. Now, God's going to come to you out in the fields. Um, the old system, we worked and went to the central location to worship. Now we worship God in our hearts and where we're at. Um, these accounts, they all point toward Christ. Um, the other little element here, right, um, is there's sort of a Jewish-Gentile off-play. Because you have Zechariah in the worship system, and you have Mary, who they don't even bother to give her lineage. Like, we don't know who Mary's parents were. We don't know who her grandparents were. We don't know anything about Mary, right? We don't. It doesn't tell us. Why? Because it wasn't that important. The other thing is, um, because it's emphasizing this Gentile element, people who weren't okay before are now acceptable in the eyes of Christ, or like through Christ in the eyes of God. Um, The whole like family element of the scriptures as it relates to this is the story of God opening the doors of heaven and saying, everybody can come now. And here's how, and he gives us Jesus. Um, the story of Mary and the story of um, of Elizabeth, her cousin, um, are the story of God preparing a new way. Um, as we talk about family, um, as it relates to this, we're all family in Christ in the end. Um, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, rich or poor, right? No one's important, no one's unimportant. We're all family in Christ. Um, and that's as big a blessing as we can get. Um, is there some practical end of this? Well, for starters, it's a reminder. All of these little elements, they're about Jesus. The whole of the scriptures, like all of the Bible is about Jesus. And as we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating God swinging open the doors of heaven. Um, so first of all, as you're doing your Christmas stuff, right? Christmas shopping, everybody done yet? <laughs> I know I told you to say it, but... <laughs> um, we're doing this not because of the not because of the buying and not because of the 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 eggnog and not because of all the trappings. We we do all of this because of Jesus. 
Because everything points forward to Jesus. And as we practice, everything points back to him. Um, And it needs to be remembered. Um, The second element of this is um, Mary is honored. But, you know, we don't know much about her, right? Um, She's not rich. Um, They don't tell us who her family was, so it probably wasn't a really important family. Um, There's not really much we're told, except we're told that God picks her. Um, she's picked to do something amazing. Not because she's awesome, not because she's perfect, not because she's, you know, without sin or anything like that, but because God picked her. And all of us in Christ are chosen to bring glory to Him, right? Her response when she's chosen, whatever you want, God, right? I'll serve you the way you want me to serve you. I'll do what you want me to do. Um... And this isn't a small thing to take on, mind you. In that culture, a pregnant, unmarried woman could be executed. Like, if you really wanted to, you could take her out and kill her. Um, why? Well, because, like, like, sex outside of marriage wasn't really looked happily on, right? Like, like, getting pregnant when you weren't married was really looked down on. She took on a dangerous, dangerous task here. Um, her willingness is the best thing she brings to the table. And God does the rest, Right? The same is true of us when we answer God's call. Um, God does the great things. All we have to do is say, I'll do it, right? Um, As we gather, as we worship, as we celebrate, all of these things are about our willingness to worship God, Um, our willingness to be used by God, our willingness to be saved by God. Um, As we go out, I'm going to call Larry up to kind of finish up our last song. but as you head out, I have Christmas ornaments hanging from the tree. Um, they're purple ones. Are they blue? I can't tell. Um, this week. And, and um, these are the ones we found that have Mary and Joseph on it. Right? Because as we celebrate Christmas, it's important that we stop and remember this family element. That God lined up every family that ever lived in a way that prepared for the coming of Jesus. And as you go home and you celebrate your Christmas holiday, um, just hang my little ornament on your tree. Anyone can grab one. I, we probably have more than enough for everybody at this point. Um, hang it up and remember. Um, God lines up families. Um, God works his greatest miracle in history through family. Um, and we're going to sing one last song. And then uh, I'll do our blessing and we'll head home.